Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. I'm Henry Chisholm. A whole bunch of news came out about the Buffs coaching search today. If you guys have been following along at thednvr.com, you're probably up to date. Um, but I have some thoughts that don't necessarily belong in a news story. And this is where I get to share them all. Um, some interesting names coming out. Uh, including Justin Wilcox, the head coach of Cal, who is now maybe not the number one person I'd want to take this job, um, but probably number one of the people who are attainable to be the next Buffs head coach. We're going to dig into all that um, in just a minute. Also, maybe talk about The Bachelor, I hope. But uh, first, I should tell you just a tiny bit more about Illegal Pete's and all the incredible things they do there. They make great nachos, great burritos, great tacos, and great margaritas. You can get one of those margaritas for free or a draft beer if you go to an event the same day that you visit Illegal Pete's and show them your ticket, you can either do that before you go if you want to get like a little bit buzzed and pregame, or you can do it after the show to like celebrate the Avs. Well, I guess, I mean, they lost tonight, but boy, was that too bad. Uh, the point is, great deal at Illegal Pete's, a great sponsor of ours, a local business that's been around for quite a while, has established themselves as, you know, the best place to get a burrito in Denver at least for my money. Uh, six locations in Denver, two locations in Boulder, one location in Fort Collins, wherever you are, there's an illegal Pete's near you and you have to check it out and you have to take them up on their deal, uh, which is you show them your ticket the same day as any event, a concert, a sporting event, whatever, get 20% off your purchase. It's a, or, Oh wait, that's, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's something else. Uh, you get a free margarita or free draft beer with the purchase of an entree. It's a steal. There's no reason for you guys not to be taking advantage. I took advantage after that last Buffs game. Uh, actually, no. It was like three Buffs games ago. But the point is, the margarita was incredible. And I had it sitting there in front of me while I wrote about Evan Batty. And it teased me and it lived up to the hype after I finally got to drink it. Um, so, the big news today. Uh, I built that shelf. I bought it at Ikea yesterday. I'm sure you guys are all pretty surprised by that. Um, I've been told I can't say I built it. I have to say like I assembled it and should probably clarify their instructions. I don't really care. I built something. I'm proud. Um, I might have to tweet a picture later. Uh, But back to the buffs. Uh, So many things coming out today after a pretty quiet weekend. It was weird. Uh, Just a few hours after I tell you guys that things have kind of just died down. I think maybe it was Silver Buff who said exactly that today. Cole Cook, maybe. Uh, somebody tweeted this morning there that like right after that podcast went out that everything just started to go. The dominoes are falling and we can start to dig into some theories. You know, we, we have enough information that we can start to sort through what's going on. Um, where to start? I guess you're at the beginning of the day. Hopefully you guys have been following along with the tracker that we've been using to just post all of the news that comes out about this search and the bus coaches. Um, also with links to uh, the other story, but let's see. Uh, first news of the day was that NFL Network's Ian Rappaport reported that Brett Bielema will interview for the Buffs coaching job. 
Uh, not a surprise, I don't think. Um, we hadn't heard that he was going to interview, but his name does make sense. Um, again, he has experience. We talked about it a lot yesterday. I'm not sure. I think we have a couple com- comments from yesterday's pod, uh, probably saying you guys don't like Bielema because that was the resounding reaction yesterday or today on social media when news broke that the Buffs were interested in him. Um, here's my take. I don't necessarily think that Bielema will be the best option for Colorado. I'd be lying if I said that I wouldn't be just a little bit disappointed if he ended up being the guy. Uh, but at the same time, with this limited field of candidates, if you bring in somebody who went to three straight Rose Bowls, well, there you go. That's that's not a bad that's not a bad stretch. And again, he's he's coached in big time conferences. Uh, you could say that the Pac-12 will be the worst conference that he'd be a head coach in. Um, and during his coaching career, he has a winning record, um, overwhelmingly winning record at Wisconsin. And then maybe he was 24 and 22, something like that at Arkansas. Not great by any means, but you know, he inherited a four win program, which had been better before, before it fell to a four win program. Um, but that's what it was when he took over the job a few years ago. Uh, didn't really turn things around necessarily, but he did get to a few bowl games in five years. I don't know. Uh, you, you the, the Wisconsin stuff has to get you excited, um, at least. But there are some downsides to Bielema. Um, and these are things, you know, I actually talked to some boosters today who kind of reiterated my concerns about Bielema. And I don't think I talked about this stuff on the podcast yesterday. I just talked about him as a football coach. But... I could argue that the most important thing that the next head coach of the Buffs will do is interact with the boosters and interact with the donors. You know, it's no secret that the Pac-12's TV deal is holding it back. And it's no secret that, you know, they're they're spending whatever six point whatever million dollars just on rent so that they can have an office in downtown San Francisco, whereas the SEC is paying 10% as much. There's plenty of reasons that the Pac-12 is not putting its schools in the best situation to succeed. It's too bad, honestly, that we haven't had time on this podcast to talk about Larry Scott more. Maybe today, maybe we'll get through all this news and I'll have a chance to share some of my thoughts there. But essentially, that's it. The Pac-12 isn't giving as much financial support to its schools as other conferences are. And that means that getting money from boosters and donors is even more important in the Pac-12. That's something that Mel Tucker was really good at. We're lucky that he kept doing it up until his final moments as the Buffs head coach. Uh, But now it's time to find a guy who can do the same thing. You know, Rick George has also been incredibly helpful in that regard, as you'd expect him to be as one of the top ADs in the country. Bielema, you know, he he doesn't quite have the reputation of a guy that's going to spend a weekend flying around California talking in, I don't even know what you call the little get-togethers that boosters have. Like, they're almost like, what do they call it at a, oh, like a cocktail party. That's what they call it in The Bachelor. Something like that, you know, where it's everybody's dressed up nice and he has to give a speech and he's shaking hands and, you know, I'm just not sure that that's his crowd of people. And... One of Mel Tucker's gifts was that he connected with all sorts of different kinds of people. You could put him in a room with anyone and he would convince that person that CU was going to be a football powerhouse um, at some point in the near future. You know, he sold recruits, he sold boosters. It started off with him selling Rick George so that Rick George would give him the job. Um, All of us as local media members, he also got national media attention because of how good he was at that sort of thing. That was one of his strengths, and I think that that's one of the reasons that everybody was really bought in while he was here. Um, it also is why people are so angry now, because we believed him, and he kind of sold us on something and didn't deliver. But we've talked a lot about that. Uh, getting back to the point, Bielema, again, just not necessarily somebody who you expect to thrive under those circumstances. You know, in Arkansas talking to people down there being an SEC coach, I, th- I think that that can play a little bit better. Even the Midwestern Wisconsin type, I think that that can play a little bit better. 
Boulder's kind of a different animal, um, especially now. You know, it's not quite like it was back in the big eight days. I've heard (laughs) I was alive for part of those. Um, And that's that's definitely something that would concern me. Um, As I've said before, essentially any coach that the buffs end up with at this point is going to have a flaw. That probably isn't one of the flaws that I would want my coach to have. But if that's the coach that we that the buffs end up going with, it won't be the end of the world, I don't think. At the same time, Bielema, to me, would make sense for some of the reasons that I talked about yesterday. Um, the, the key point being that he wants to play football the same way that Mel Tucker wants to play football. Build from the trenches out. Be physical. Beat him up there. If, if you're picking up big plays, it's either because your offensive line gashed a massive running lane for a running back, or it's because you forced the defense to put eight guys in the box, and then you threw it over the top. You know, it's, it's not them going shot after shot after shot. They want to pound the ball down the opponent's throats and then maybe work off of there if there's any reason to. If you're having success, then you just ride with it. Uh, can Colorado do that without Chris Kapilovic, who we'll talk about later? Um, who knows? Who knows what the offensive line will look like next year because they're losing a couple starters as well. Running backs, obviously, will be in great shape. Then defensively, it's the same thing. It starts with getting a pass rush with four players so that you can drop everybody else back. You clog up the running lanes with four players so that your linebackers are free to, to make plays. That's where it all starts. And uh, to be honest, I think that the Buffs have the personnel to do exactly that. Um, I think that y- you have the defensive line, of course, obviously, is capable of being the leader of that defense. Um, And I think that whoever ends up being in control of that defense will have to see that and will have to build starting right there. So bringing a guy who wants to do that would make sense to me. Offensive line, like I said, more of a question, but you look around this offense and you have to say, I think that the strength is in the running backs. Uh, Shad Clayton, Jaron Mangum, Alex Fontenot. You know, I like Katie Nixon. I think that a bunch of the other receivers can do something special in their futures and potentially this year quarterbacks a question mark um and then you look at the offensive line which like i said who what is this offensive line without chris kapilovich i i couldn't tell you um and we're gonna have to wait and see uh we'll talk more about that later on though so i think when you're looking at this offense if you're trying to find something to build around you want to to start with the running backs and that might not necessarily be where you want to start, but based on where the roster is right now, I think it's where you have to start. So for those reasons, I think that Bielema really would make a lot of sense from a football perspective. Um, again, the way I view Bielema is that he is the type of coach who is going to pull as many wins out of a team as he can. Um, I, I, I don't think that you would come in and say, Oh, how did Colorado only win four games with that roster? I don't think you'd have that combination. Change change the whatever number of wins to whatever number you want. If you think this is a seven-win football team, then how did they only win five games? If you think it's a four-win team, how did they only win two games? That's not a conversation I think you really have with Bielema. I think that those conversations just kind of evaporate because, of he, because he is that experienced of a coach. He's getting a lot more hate than I would have expected on social media. I understand that he uh, isn't the flashiest option. I think that in a perfect world, you you bring in a young guy and the young guy pans out and he turns out to be the face of this program for the next 20, 30 years. Sometimes it's easy to see these young candidates and forget that they still have bus potential. And and sometimes we underweight the bus potential of those coaches. Whereas with Biloma, he's a good football coach. You can't argue that he's not a good football coach. Is he a great football coach? There's where you could maybe have an argument. Is he a great recruiter? Meh. Was he great with the donors? I'm not so sure. Again, you have to wait to see how that all plays out. But you know one thing's for sure, and that's that if you give him the talent he will pull everything there is to pull out of that talent. That much, I think, is something I will confidently say. Um, Again, not my top choice. 
I think right now he's like number 14 on my board of candidates. Uh, if you guys are subscribers, you've been checking that out, hopefully. But, you know, he's he's not... He's not a bad option, I don't think. Um, just maybe not the most exciting. Uh, so there are some more Bielema thoughts. I know you guys were hoping to hear more Bielema after yesterday. Um, I don't think we've heard when the interview was, whether it was today, whether it's tomorrow, any of that kind of stuff. But that's where we are. Um, some more bad news. Uh... Chris Kapilovic, the uh, offensive line coach, is, like I said, headed to Michigan State with Mel Tucker. Not a huge surprise, to be honest. Um, Don't get mad at him, and I think I've made this point a few times before, but I'm going to say it one more time. These assistant coaches don't know if they have a job in Boulder until there's a head coach who has the authority to offer them a full-time job. And right now, Darren Cheverini is an interim coach. He can't say with certainty that they will have a job um, because he doesn't know if he's going to be in charge two weeks from now, one week from now. Um, once we get through this process, once there's a guy that is in charge of the Buffs football program, he gets to make all of those calls, and he could say, like Mel Tucker said at Michigan State, you're all out. Mel did end up re-signing a couple of those guys Um They've they filled the defensive line job. They filled I, th- I think it's still an unnamed offensive job. He brought back the offensive coordinator, um, and I would guess it's something like he has somebody in mind who he wants to be the offensive coordinator. And this former offensive coordinator would go to quarterbacks coach if Mel can't get him, or he may stay as offensive coordinator if Mel can't get him. Some arrangement like that. Plus, now they have Kapilovic at the uh, offensive line, so. Those are the positions that are filled. I think it's important that we keep an eye on how Mel's coaching staff fills out at Michigan State because that really is the only place that is still signing coaches. Um, and that's the only place where, you know, these buffs coaches who are kind of desperate for jobs right now because there is no guarantee that they can work in Boulder, that's the one spot where they could still get hired. And I guess maybe somewhere else will try to poach them and replace one of their guys. Now that there might be another candidate who they see as an upgrade, but likely it's Michigan State. You throw in the fact that Mel has worked with them all. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean he enjoyed working with them all, but it probably means that he knows that he likes to work with at least a couple of them. Kapilovic being an example. Um, you know, again, worth noting that Michigan State has about twice as much money to work with when signing assistant coaches. So there may be a different pool of applicants that Mel can pull from. Um, so uh, if if there's a guy who's an assistant coach for Colorado at $300,000 a year, Mel can afford to pay $600,000 a year to fill that same spot at Michigan State, and he might not want to fill it with a guy whose market is set at $300,000. There might be somebody who even if their market is typically $400,000, $500,000, it might take a little bit extra money to pull them away from a gig this late in the offseason. Um, but again, it's likely a more talented pool of applicants. Chris Kapilovic, Mel thinks, is worth giving more money to. Um, disappointing, but not unexpected by any means. He's the name that we've all kind of known is going to be gone because he is so well regarded as an offensive line coach. (sighs) And he doesn't know if there's a job. So even if he wanted to stay, there's a 50, 50 chance that he would not be allowed to, I think with him, it was more likely he'd stay, but there's still no guarantee. Uh, kind of tough reading, you know, uh, the Lee's Carson Lee, his parents were all on Twitter today talking about how much they appreciated cap, uh, how they're wishing him the wet, the best, all that kind of stuff, how sad it is to see him go, but they understand the circumstances. It's, it's tough. It's tough. And I know that there are some young players who maybe not even in an offensive line room, but are having a tough time with this transition. And just because there hasn't been any attrition yet doesn't mean that there won't be. I would be very, very, very surprised if we don't see a couple of names leave the program. Um, Names that will be pretty disappointing. Um, We'll see how that all shakes out, though. Uh, 
part of the reason I think that is because a guy like Cap left, but also because Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, left. You know, that's uh, tough. Uh, Oh, I just realized... I don't know that Jay Johnson's role has been solidified with Michigan State either. In the initial reporting from Brian Howell, uh, I don't think we knew as of then what position Jay Johnson was filling, whether he'd be an offensive coordinator like he was in Boulder or whether he's going to be a quarterback's coach, which he also was in Boulder. Um, We'll see how that shakes out. Again, it is important to note because... If he winds up being a receivers coach, that means Mel isn't going after Chev, even though we know Chev isn't leaving anyway, so that's kind of a bad example. Um, also worth noting, Kapilovic, I believe in his contract, there was a $50,000 buyout, so Michigan State has to give fifty grand to Colorado. Um, Jay Johnson was due a $75,000 buyout, so there's one hundred and twenty-five grand for Colorado. Not massive money, considering everything that's going around, but definitely doesn't hurt um makes it a little bit easier to poach an assistant coach to replace those guys later on um yeah i i do think that jay johnson's departure i think it speaks to what mel thought of jay which may be different than what we thought of jay um I don't think fans loving um, uh, just the Twitter reactions throughout the season. I think that was pretty clear. But, uh, you know, I wasn't super high on what he did. I do think that he improved as a play caller throughout the season. I believe he was a first-time play caller, um, and that's that's a tough position to be in. I think he improved. I don't necessarily think that he was, you know, a, a chess master as a play caller. Um, so we'll see where he ends up working at Michigan State. I also think that he may have more pull over this team than may be expected. Um, We'll see if his departure shakes anything up. Big day. Um, Even bigger still is that there was a list of names released by footballscoop.com of guys who Rick George planned to interview. And we'll dig into that report. But first, I have to tell you about some incredible beer from Breckenridge Brewery. The Strawberry Sky, it's its almost Strawberry Sky season. I know it's still cold out, but it was sunny today, like walking around outside. It felt like things were going to get better. It felt like the snow was out of place. Looks like it's going to be 35 tomorrow, then 28, then 33. So maybe that's all going to disappear. But at least for a couple of minutes this afternoon, and I was outside in the sun, it felt like we were getting close to summer or at least spring and that it was almost time for me to start drinking too many strawberry skies that time will come and you know if you're like me and you want to pretend it's already here the best way to do that is to go to wherever you go whether it's total bev davidson's any of these great liquor stores that we partner with or pretty much anywhere else you shop pick up some strawberry sky save it for a day when it's 45 degrees but when you're in the sun it feels like 65 and then maybe turn the heat up a little bit in the apartment so it feels just a little bit warmer like it is the summer then we can all pretend together also, if you need to find a place to buy it, you can go to the uh, beer locator on Breckenridge Brewery's website. It will tell you where you can find any beer you want to try, including the Strawberry Sky. And you know where else you can get Breckenridge beers? Bojo's Pizza, uh, an in- another incredible Colorado company where if you mention DNVR, you can get a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree. There's six Colorado locations. It's the only place you can get a true Colorado mountain pie. It's locally owned, unbelievably delicious. You have to check out Bojo's. They have gluten-free pizza, cheeseless pizza, plant-based options, so you can bring even your friends who aren't able to eat uh, real pizza. There aren't a lot of those places. So when you want pizza, you're with one of them. Take them out to their awesome salad bar, and then you can get your own pizza too. And a free honey cheese bread with the purchase of an entree at any location when you mention DNVR. Okay, so that list of names. Let's start with a couple that we knew. Uh, Darren Cheverini, we know very well. I think you guys know where I stand. I'm not super high on Darren Cheverini as a head coach right now. I think that 
he could find himself in a position a few years from now where he would make a lot more sense as a head coach. But you you compare his resume with some other guys, and sure, there's this factor that he is kind of unknown as a head coach. But I don't necessarily know that we are thinking of that the right way. I think that, like I mentioned earlier, when you hear that somebody hasn't been a head coach before, you think about the positives. Uh, this could just be a star. Uh, somebody who hasn't gotten their shot, once they get their shot, it's going to be obvious that they're great at this and then they're going to run away, take Colorado to the national championship, all that kind of stuff and stick around for forever. And there is that upside and that is a pro of being an unknown coach. But how often do you actually stumble across those guys versus guys who are more journeyman coaches? You know, I think that that's an unfair title for a guy like Bielema, who's only coached at two different schools and found success, like serious success at one of them. But, you know, it's it's just so easy to get carried away with the hype that you forget about the bus potential. You forget what can also happen. Um, you know, th- think back to the Broncos a couple years ago. I know you're not all Broncos fans, and maybe these references don't hit home quite as well. But remember Vance Joseph and how excited everybody was? And that turns out, not a good coach. But you just didn't know that because he'd never been a head coach before. Uh, there are some safe options. Cheverini, to me, is still kind of a risk because you put his resume up next to a guy like Bielema's. And, you know, Bielema coached in Rose Bowls. Cheverini could get there someday. He could get there soon, but you just don't know. And I don't necessarily know that he's the best option. I do think that a couple years down the road, once he gets more experience, um, you know, maybe he winds up as an offensive coordinator again, uh, give him a little more power, and then maybe it's time to get this, give him uh, control of the buffs. But I would, I would start talking about that in the next coaching search. If I were in charge again, I'm not in charge. Uh, I do think that Rick George is interested, according to this footballscoop.com report. He is interested, but you know my thoughts there. Eric Bieniemy. We've we've run through my thoughts there. I do think that I've been too low on Bieniemy. Um, I'll admit that. I think that some of my view of Bieniemy is kind of tinted by how things went here last time when he was the offensive coordinator. Um, maybe maybe to a fault there. That's somewhere where I think I may be a little bit off. Um, thinking about now, I do think I do think that he's going to be a good coach. Um, I don't necessarily think that that can't happen in Boulder. It just seems like a long shot that this would be the place to give him a shot. You know, it, it sounds kind of crazy to say since he does have all these ties to Colorado, but for a bunch of reasons, it just doesn't seem like a fit right now. He's in such a good position where he is coaching Pat Mahomes, coaching Tyree Kill. This offense is still put together. They're going to be able to run it back essentially next year before things kind of get ugly for the Chiefs salary cap wise, and they're going to have to make some cuts. And that might be the time where the sneaks out and tries to get a head coaching job. And he's on pace to get a head coaching job in the NFL. So he has all of that in his mind. He has a great job. Um, actually, don't know that I looked up his salary, but uh, again, a great job, very obvious future in the NFL. If he just stays where he is, continues doing what he's been doing, um, and even could take over the Chiefs uh, if he wanted to because... Andy Reid is aging, and right now Biennemi would make the most sense to fill in when he decides that he wants to retire. So that's that puts him in a position of power for sure. It means that he could command a lot of money. Um, it makes it tough for Rick George to sell him the CU job, even if that is something that he typically would want to do if you reach out to him two years ago you know he interviewed for that job when was that 2010 I actually don't know uh but 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 whenever that was my huh I don't think that was then but uh yeah the, the the point is he has all of that going for him there is 
obviously an incredibly positive history at CU. Um, he's all over the record books, all that kind of stuff. But also there are some negative points too that might kind of cancel out the positives. Not in the view of Buffs fans in terms of what they think of Eric Bieniemy because he was so important to this football program and what it was and what it became and all of that kind of stuff. But in the views of the people who make the decisions, some of those negative factors have to be weighted more heavily. Um, and and when you have that kind of pushing that way as well as Eric being in the great situation that he's in and, and that kind of pushes that same direction, that makes it tough to come to a deal, I would imagine. Um, and that's why he just doesn't make much sense here for me. But I've made all those points before. Um other names, uh, Steve Sarkeesian from Alabama, the offensive coordinator. We've talked about him, crazy upside. Jim McElwain from Central Michigan um, and Florida and Colorado State. We haven't had a chance to talk much about him. Um, to be totally honest, I think, I think I'd like Bielema better. Um, but... I think McIlwain does come with a couple more positives maybe uh, in that he is more experienced. He spent more time coaching. I think that he might have a better time with the boosters and the donors. Although, again, I, and since we haven't talked about him, I haven't been able to say that McIlwain is actually from Missoula where I went to college a couple hours from where I grew up. So he's like one of us. Um, it's weird how in these small places, Everybody who's from there, you really support. Brock Osweiler refed my first touchdown pass. Uh, he lives in like the next town over. Um, you know Ryan Leaf from Great Falls, but but all these guys like there's this weird connection to that you don't really sense as much. I mean, there's still like the Phil and the Christian McCaffrey around here, but it isn't quite as strong because there are more people. So yeah, with with McElwain, again, I followed him a little bit more because of the Montana ties. Um, He's a good coach. Again, I think that that's something that's obvious. He is a good football coach. Um, is he a great coach? Again, maybe not. It's crazy that he's won Coach of the Year awards in three different conferences. I don't know how many people have done that. I would guess not many, though. Um, he, he was successful at Florida, had a couple of decent seasons. Um, I thought, did, did he have two 10-win seasons? And then he was fired the next year after a 3-4 and four start. Um, maybe they weren't quite 10 wins. No, I, th- I think that he won the division titles. I do think he won division titles, and then he uh, was fired after three and four start. Actually, wasn't fired. He, it was like a mutual agreement between him and the um, athletic department. He was getting like death threats and stuff, and people were mad, but he lost his quarterback, and so he was kind of in a tough spot trying to win games because of that, and everybody's agreed it was time for him to just go um and he went uh he was also successful at colorado uh took over i think a four-win program won four games and then seven games and then 10 games um that's obvious improvement and that's the type of improvement that gets you a job at florida which is what happened um a good coach i think he's 58 he's a little bit older but again I I think that Bielema has maybe a little bit more upside. And maybe that just comes from him having more of his future in front of him in terms of coaching. Whereas McIlwain, at this point, I think we know he is what he is. Bielema, having come from his two stops, I'm honestly not willing to say whether he's the guy from Arkansas or the guy from Wisconsin. I think that he could have been in a bad situation at Arkansas. Again, Who's in their division? They have LSU. They have Clemson. Um, not Clemson. Sorry, Bama. Those two. Isn't it weird? Those two are getting confused now in my brain. Maybe not. My brain has been a little bit off. It's tired. But uh, Auburn. You know, there, there are some good teams that Arkansas has to go up against. Either, you know, maybe Bielema just can't handle that level of whatever. Or maybe he caught some bad breaks and lost a couple of games he shouldn't have lost. Because at Wisconsin, he was really successful. Again, his success success came on the heels of uh, Barry Alvarez, who is still fairly involved with the program, even when uh, Bielema was the coach there. So it's, it's tough to say which one of those guys he is. 
And I think that saying that he's one of the other would be too simplistic. You know, it's kind of like that thing where people just like to sort things into boxes. There's like you're either a good person or you're a bad person. You're a good football player, or bad football player. You know, is Katie Nixon good or bad? You have to pick one. There's no, well, he has strengths and weaknesses, and there's a whole bunch of nuance. It's so easy just to say good or bad and forget that a guy like Bielema at 50, who spent the last two years at the Patriots, who maybe learned something while he was there, maybe learned something from how things went against, or when he was at Arkansas, maybe learned something when he was at Wisconsin that he can build off of. People develop, and, and some people you know, if, if, if Bielema really is a smart guy who is capable of turning the buffs into a contender, you know, he, he'd be the type of guy who can go through those experiences and keep improving and improving as a coach. I think that that's what makes the best coaches, the best coaches. You, you look at Bill Belichick and all the changes he makes and all the different schemes and all the different ways he pulls in different things. He's constantly learning. That's how he stays ahead of the competition for so long. Um, same thing with, you know, Sean Payton, for example. That's kind of what the whole game is about. McIlwain, to me, seems just a little bit stagnant, but my take there could be wrong, too. Bielema seems like the kind of guy, based on the stops he's made, that could still be working on getting to his full co- coaching self. Again, not my favorite hire. There are some young guys. Graham Harrell, who's not a guy we've spent much time on at all, but... He's a great offensive mind, comes from the air raid system. It'd be fun to see what he could do. He played five years in the NFL, or not in the NFL, but in pro football. He's only 34 still, so he's incredibly young, but still in a great spot in his career, despite having that little setback. Um, not that playing professional football is a setback, but uh, you know he does have that sort of upside where you look at him and say, wow, he really is on the path to being great. And you don't want to overweight that because there is the potential that either he doesn't fit as a head coach, like so many great offensive minds haven't fit as head coaches, or maybe he's just not ready. And there are those downsides, but it's just trying to figure out what exactly you want. And and that's Rick George's job right now is to decide, does he want somebody who's experienced, somebody who can say, hey, this isn't a place that needs a total rebuild. This is a place where the the, the pieces are in place to win six games next year, win seven games year next year, and build off of what Mel Tucker did? Or do you go for a boomer bust guy who could, you know, go crazy in the next few years and put up an insane number of points and win a bunch of football games and then maybe try to make the jump to the SEC or something like that? You know, it's... There are so many ways that Rick George could take this and we just don't know what he's going to choose. Um, Bielema to me, not all that exciting, but you could definitely see why that would be the move. Um, he He's one of those options. Just like McIlwain, they're stable. Maybe not incredibly stable. They're both kind of strange guys in some ways, but, but you know what they are as football coaches. You know that they can pull wins out of talented football players and that's a big part of the job um you'd hope that you could find somebody who can do that and also appeal to boosters and also appeal to recruits and all those different things appeal to the regents make those relationships easier appeal to the fans um but by going after somebody like that there's a risk there's one more name uh that came out actually oh Blake Anderson we're not gonna have time to talk about Blake Anderson from Arkansas State um he's an interesting name that also came up he's been fairly successful um I'm not as high on him as some other uh people are um and again he's he's fairly young he's only 50 which can feel old when you're talking talking about this kind of stuff but then you remember mel tucker's 40 has he turned 49 yet um again uh blake anderson arkansas state that's his only head coaching job he's been there since 2014 Uh, he has a 47 and 30 record um, which is good he's two and four in bowl games that's a lot of bowl games um he's won a couple of sunbelt titles so he would be a little bit more out of left field 
Um, he isn't like some of these big names that we talk about a lot, but you know, they, they Arkansas State, they've they've won eight games the last couple of years, seven games before that, eight, nine, seven. So so good coach. We'll dig in more later on, but I want to spend some time on Justin Wilcox because that is not a name that was supposed to come up in this search. Uh, not at all. Justin Wilcox is Cal's head coach. He's been the head coach there for um, a few years, and his teams have won more and more games with every season, which is the first way to see if a coach is doing a good job. Um, you know, the, he's he's not making a whole lot of money. I mean, he's I think he's making a little over three million dollars uh, this season, which is more than Mel Tucker was set to make at Colorado. His two point seven million dollars. But he's such a good coach that still feels like being underpaid. Um, Cal was five and seven his first year, seven and six the next year, eight and five this year. They're improving. The defense has been one of the best defenses in the conference, despite not having all that much talent. And I think that's what makes him so exciting. Is what happens if you give him the talent that Colorado has collected on this defense? You know, we saw what he did with Evan Weaver at linebacker. What can he do with Nate Landman at linebacker? It's it's exciting. Meanwhile, his offenses have been just terrible. Um, you can look at a bunch of different stats. Um, you know, 2018, they had the second worst, second least efficient offense of any Power 5 team. Still took the Cheez-It Bowl to overtime. Um, a 10-7 loss in overtime. But there, there are so many of these peaks that you see. Uh, again, they snapped a 14 game losing streak to USC uh beat them 15 14 upset number 15 Washington 12 10 you know these are great defensive performances what happens first of all if you give him more talent to work with on defense but then also pair him with a competent offensive coordinator and Colorado probably could do that at this point um it'd be really exciting uh, again, I don't know how his name is even coming up in this conversation, but footballscoop.com reported that Rick George is interested in talking with him, and the rest of the names on that list were guys who you'd expect Colorado to be able to talk to. You know, it's not like they're saying he'd be interested in talking to Urban Meyer. Well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. It's Darren Cheverini, it's Eric Bienemy, it's uh, who else did I even say? Jim McElwain, uh, all those guys. This would be so much fun. He's he's the new top attainable candidate on my board. Um, he he has a great background. Like I said, this is his first head coaching job. He's only twenty and eighteen, but the improvement you see from a program that really struggled—that's massive. That's what it's all about. Um, he has an impressive track record as an assistant coach. Um, he, he was he was the defensive coordinator at Wisconsin for a year before he got this job. He was the defensive coordinator at USC for two years before that. Washington two years before that. He was in the SEC at Tennessee for two years before that. Four years at Boise State before that. Um, before that, he spent three years as the linebacker's coach at Cal. You know, the, these are a bunch of big-time schools that he has been important an important piece of. Um, he'd be a great get. He's only 43. Uh, uh, I, I, I can't believe his name came up. That's, that's the big, big takeaway from today for me is that somehow he might be on the table, which isn't something that I expected at all. Especially, like I said, Cal football before he took over was not in a good place. He took... Cal to two bowl games in three years and before that they'd been to two bowl games in seven years that's a pretty obvious improvement that's why he got another extension um yeah they just had back-to-back winning records for the first time since 2008 and 2009 it's been a while so he'd be a great get for sure they were ranked 15th at one point this year that's the highest since they were ranked 6th in 2009. 
There's there's so much to like about him. I don't know how Rick George plans to lure him away from Cal, um, especially considering that he's already making as much money as he makes. Um, Colorado, I think, it, it, from a pure coaching perspective, is a better destination than Cal is. But at the same time, part of the allure of getting to a better destination is the money. Um, how much money is Rick George willing to invest in Wilcox and his assistant coaches? Um, all those sorts of things. We'll see how this shakes out because I don't think that this name would have surfaced if Rick George didn't have some reason to bring it up. Uh, so that's kind of what we learned today. I think, I think that's pretty much everything. Um, a couple more notes from that footballscoop.com story. Uh, he said that Rick George has been conducting phone interviews over the past few days and that this week that he is going to move into the in-person interviewing stage. So expect to hear more about those. It's it's a lot easier to hide a phone call than hiding an actual physical meeting. Um, also, uh, Football Scoop reported that former Power 5 head coaches have reached out to express their interest in their job. That's the same thing that we heard uh, in the report yesterday uh, from... ESPN's Chris Fowler. So that's good news. Um, Again, I do think that tomorrow will probably be another pretty heavy news day. I think that we'll be hearing some more about uh, all of this kind of stuff as it kind of leaks out. And I'm excited to talk about it with all of you. Okay, um, real quick, here's Ryan to talk about the Blake Street Tavern. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins best sports bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Okay, uh, back in now, final segment, the question segment, comment segment. And we have two today, the first coming from B-Mixer, who said, I would love Stoops, but just don't think CU will pay what he wants. Bielema is the bottom of my list. Arkansas was pretty good till he took over. Welcome to CU coaching searches under RG, unlike other colleges. Not a lot of info gets out. Yeah, it's crazy that we haven't heard more. Um, it's weird. And, and part of that is that he includes so few people in this process. It's him and Lance Carl. It's, it's the two of them that are going through this entire thing together. There aren't very many voices in the room. They aren't hiring an outside firm to help them like come up with candidates, to vet candidates, do all that kind of stuff. It's just the two of them. And they're coming up with their list. They're reaching out to see who on that list is actually interested in the job. And then they're uh, going to go through the interviews and pick one. It's crazy that nothing is leaking out, though. But I guess when it's two people and both those people don't really want to get anything out there you go um in terms of stoops not taking what cu uh will pay him it's an interesting conversation for sure i think on the surface that's that would make a lot of sense but then you remember that he was a special assistant to oklahoma's athletic director and i assumed that that was a job that was going to be his as long as he wanted to have it and he was making i think three hundred fifty thousand dollars a year before he decided to sign on with the XFL a year ago and take $165,000 a year. So he doesn't seem like at this stage he's overly motivated by money. Otherwise, he would have sat around and who knows, maybe he was very involved in the athletics department, but my guess would be that, I mean, he, he didn't have too many responsibilities and it was more of a legacy role that he was filling. Um So that plays well for Colorado in terms of trying to land Bob Stoops. The fact that his name hasn't come out yet makes me think that it probably won't happen. Who knows, though? Uh, Things 
things could change. There might be another name or two that we hear. I would guess that based on what we've heard, we've pretty much seen the whole crew. It's the names that are getting passed around that will be included in this process over the next few days. Um, Stoops is a long shot for sure. Stoops is definitely a long shot, and it could be that he would rather hold off and make double what he'd make at Colorado when he decides he wants to come back to college coaching if that's actually something he's interested in doing in the first place. Um, Bielema being at the bottom of your list, I see it. I, I see why that would be. I disagree, and I think I've explained why I disagree, but yeah, Arkansas was pretty good till he took over. Yeah, but also, I mean, they are pretty good after he took over too. Um, Bobby Petrino uh, was the coach. Well, I guess there was one more coach in between, but but Bobby Petrino took over at Arkansas in 2008. 5-7, 8-5, 10-2, 11-2. Uh, John L. Smith subbed in, went four and eight, um, and then three and nine, seven and six, eight and five, seven and six, four and eight under Bielema. It's not great. It's not what Arkansas was interested in having. That's why they let him go. But you know, you look at the average wins in the time since from when Bobby Petrino took over until Brett Bielema took over. Um, what's that? Five, eight, ten, eleven, four. You guys can do the math. I bet the average is right around eight. Um, and then you look at what Bielema did, three, seven, eight, seven, four. It's like six. So it's 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 a difference. It's a couple wins for sure. But the program wasn't left in great shape. It was a four-win program when he took over. He pulled three bowl games out of those five years. Um, and they really haven't been any better since he left either. You can say that's because he tanked the program if you wanted to. You could also say that it means that the program wasn't in a spot where he could have done anything with it. Um, again, Bielema isn't the top of my list by any means, but I think that he's worth talking to at the very least. Uh, Sonny Rain says, I think it's crazy that so many fans think that Eric Bieniemy should be the next head coach. Look, he was an awesome player for CU. I had friends on those late 80s teams, and I would love to see a former buff great be the one to return to CU to its glory days. That being said, EB isn't that guy. Sorry. We know how things went with him as the OC back in the day. Well, well, it sure looks great to have offensive coordinator of the 2019 Kansas State Chiefs on a resume. Everyone Everyone should know that EB isn't calling the plays. It's kind of sad, actually. They don't even stick him in the booth and pretend. Instead, he's tethered to Reed, relaying what he says. I don't think that actually does much for Biennemi at all. Um, I, I mean, yeah. And that's a point that I made yesterday uh, on the show, if you guys are listening. He doesn't call the plays. Uh, but that's because Andy Reed calls the plays, and there's no way you want Andy Reed not calling the plays. Um, who knows what coach... Uh, EB would have to be under two call plays. Is he a bad play caller? Is that the problem? Or is it just that Andy Reid is so good at what he does? Um, it's it, 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 it could be easy to make the argument that EB is just riding on the coattails of this Chiefs offense of Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and all these guys they have and that a lot of coaches could have success as the offensive coordinator. And, and he does do a lot of things I don't know exactly what his responsibilities are but you know he's in the meetings he's talking the meetings he's running the meetings when Andy Reid isn't in there um he's he's helping implement all the different schemes he's having the conversations with Andy Reid about what they should do um he's involved in that whole process if if he isn't a major factor in deciding what the Chiefs are going to do offensively then at the very least he's hearing how everybody else who is involved is thinking about those decisions. I would guess that he's very involved. He's the offensive coordinator. If he wasn't involved, then they'd bring somebody else in. Um, But yeah, again, he doesn't call plays. That's a knock. Um, There's the history. There's all those different things. I think Ryan on the podcast when he was on last week said... Darren Cheverini being the next head coach and being successful is the best case scenario, but it isn't worth the risk that he isn't ready just because that's what we want to see happen. We want to see somebody in that mold, that Cheverini, um, be enemy type role succeed as the leader of their alma mater at CU. That doesn't mean that they're a great candidate. Um, 
Bienemy very qualified, very qualified. Um, and I've kind of outlined why I don't think it's going to happen at Colorado. Um, I think there's a good chance he winds up being a good coach somewhere. I think that he could be a lot better coach than he was at Colorado eight years ago right now. But you do have that history. And I know that there are people in the athletic department um, involved with the football team who still have some pretty harsh feelings because of the way things went when he was the offensive coordinator. Um, I couldn't tell you, though whether those are prohibitive feelings and who if if people who have the power to make the decisions they might have moved on and that could change anything so so I, i'm not trying to say he burned all of his bridges but there are certainly some burned bridges still in boulder and um, i think that that will make it pretty tough for b enemy to be the next guy at cu not impossible um and it's definitely not impossible that he'll have success but he would have to he would have to be a much better coach than he was last time around when he struggled as an offensive coordinator and and there was a bit of a fallout because of that um like i don't know like i said with uh Bielema being a guy who's been in situations where he could learn a lot of things Bienemy's been in Kansas City and there are a lot of things you can learn when you're coaching Andy Reed or coaching under Andy Reed coaching the guys that he's coached there he could be a totally different coach he could be somebody who's ready to build a program like Colorado back to what it used to be um he's just like like Bielema not super high on my list um because of everything that has transpired okay um if you guys have any questions or comments, leave them on the post for today's show, and I will get to them tomorrow, which is Tuesday. Um, hopefully, there's some more news coming out because I, I want to keep this moving. I want to I want to get toward the end of the search. Uh, if you guys enjoy the podcast, uh, go to iTunes or wherever you listen and leave a review. Uh, we really appreciate those. They do make a difference. Um, and I haven't asked you guys to do that in a while, but, uh, that's a push that I'm supposed to be making. So I'm making it. Uh, I will talk to you guys all tomorrow. Um, hopefully with some more updates on what's going on in Boulder and some basketball talk. Bye. And see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And voters where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. Yeah. And we ain't playing with you, you can get Get them, we